TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Score North Twin Show. Chopper to short. One and two. The strong right arm of Jonathan Scope comes into play again. Runner at third, two down, and now Jimenez. Jack Sway, got him! What a job by Rogers. Inside, and it hit him! And Torres will go to first, and the Twins win it. It's a score North Twin Show. That was the end of a uh, eventful game last night in which uh, Torres got hit by a pitch with the bases loaded to drive in the winning run and give the Twins the first two games of their series against the White Sox. They continue tonight, 6.40 p.m. at Target Field. On the show today, the panel, I am Judd Zolgad. He is Danny Cunningham. He is Derek Wetmore. Manny Hill producing, and for the next hour, we're going to be talking about uh, the Twins with this panel. And then, if I'm not mistaken, our old friend Brian Murphy, That's Derek, right. is going to join you at 1 o'clock. Special guest, Brian Murphy, joins so at 1. Two, so if you're a Twins fan, two hours of Twins talk right here on the uh, all-new Score North on 1500. All right, boys, where should we start with uh, <laughs> with, with what was certainly an interesting game? Now, Interesting, now, there's that word again. By the way, by the way, let me start with some praise. <laughs> game one of this series was fantastic. Yes. Jose Barrios was fantastic. And, and I will also start by saying I am now very comfortable again, and this took a while, but I'm back now. I'm very comfortable again with Jose Barrios starting game one of a playoff series. Mm-hmm. Um, just as, as much that he looked great against the White Sox, and the White Sox are lineup-wise okay, but the game before that, Derek, it was Washington, and that's a good lineup, and they can really hit, and Brios looked great. But as far as last night goes, and I, I tweeted about my disdain for one thing, and I got a bunch of responses back, but that was a great game, and I, I don't necessarily agree that that was a great game. It was an entertaining game. There have been a lot of great games in that ballpark this year, uh, but as far as last night goes, um, the resiliency of that offense, that Twins offense, continues and continues and continues. And I give those guys credit because I think after the two-run shot in the 12th by the White Sox, I probably would have packed it in. Sure. I probably would have said, eh, it's been a nice night. You know what? We're going to lose this game. I think a lot of people would have, yeah. And and I don't know. I'm I'm really fascinated to dig into the psychology of that because we've talked about it all year and like remember at the beginning of the season, Judd, we were talking about like they just don't quit. These bats like won't go away. They're never out of it. And then we kind of just got used to it. It became sort of numb. Ah, okay, they were down three in the seventh, but like they hit four four bombas and they came back to win. I'm back to being interested in it about it again because like now you go into September, great, cool. Magic numbers down to seven in the land of 10,000 rakes. But you go to October, and that factor, that it factor, whatever it is, matters, I think, a great deal. And I'm just, I don't know, I'm fascinated to dig into this sort of like winner's mindset that this club seems to have right now. The the winner's mindset is something that's that's interesting to me because it's it's something that changes, I think, at least a little bit from a regular season game in the month of July or August or June or whatever month you want to pick when they did a lot of this into October when everything becomes a much more stressful situation. Yeah, There's no sure. question that the all the, every situation becomes a high leverage situation where a lot of the times it wasn't necessarily that. If you lose a game on, on June 8th, 
Who cares? Sure. It's, it's not a big deal. If you lose a game on October 3rd, your season can end. I'm curious how that might change things because this team hasn't dealt with too much pressure. There was a little bit of, there was a stretch in August where they dealt with pressure and they did well, but that's not going to compare to maybe being down one game to nothing in an ALDS or an ALCS or whatever that might be. They're going to face adversity much higher than anything they face so far. And I don't know what that's going to look like. So I've got, I've got three names here. That, that I, I think are are paramount to the, the success of the discussion that we're having right now. And it starts with one guy, Nelson Cruz. But I would go Nelson Cruz, Marwin Gonzalez, and I do believe, and I know he does not play all the time, but I do believe Jonathan Scope. I think these oh, guys I think these guys are veterans who remain calm, who embolden young players to think because look, okay, let's let's Back this thing up. I'm going to give you guys the perfect guy who would be awful in as the guy, as the guy, but as a supporting cast. And I'm not talking about on the field. I'm talking about starting clubhouse, okay? Okay. I'm going to give you guys a guy who would be awful if he had to orchestrate this because he couldn't. He would be incapable. Are you talking about number seven? But he, no, 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 current player. But he fits in perfectly with how things go. Eddie Rosario. Sure. He's excitable. People chant his name. He does dumb things. No, I'm serious. Yeah, I know he, you are. That, that's why plays, I, I smirked. I love. I like watching him play. I really enjoy it because it's unpredictable. But if he was, but if he considered himself, oh, I got to be the guy. It would be a mess. It well, would go sideways. But he's a great supporting player because he can look at Nelson Cruz and Gonzalez, especially these guys. Just get it, and he can be like, I can be myself, and it does because crowd starts to chant his name. And he in- inevitably grounds out or something. But you know what? That's fine. Because it, it doesn't affect anybody else but him. He was pretty good last night. Right. But he's an important part of that win. He was, but he would be terrible in a primary role in that clubhouse. If he had to be yeah. the guy that he's everybody was awesome looking at. awesome in his current role because he's fun. He's fun to watch. He does goofy things at times, but he just fits in. You know what? I'm adding a third name to that list because on the, on the prep sheet I sent you guys, I was talking about three players who are afraid of nothing. Nothing scares these guys on the field. And it, you can, I can think of a specific moment last night where it definitely just like vibrated to the rest of the team. Good vibes, confidence in big moments. And Nelson Cruz is atop that list. Mm -hmm. He's the guy that represented last night. Um, Marwin Gonzalez is definitely on that list. He stared down the barrel against Kenley Jansen and got him in the World Series. He's cold-blooded, too. He doesn't care. Like, what difference does that make to him, September 18th? Marwin Gonzalez. September 17th. Marwin Gonzalez, and I don't say this lightly, might be more cold-blooded than Nelson Cruz as a person. And and I don't mean that bad. I mean Hmm. nothing. That guy... It, it's incredible, but, but he's just not as good of a hitter. As no, he's not. Cruises. No, he's not. That's but, the difference. But That's he, right. But he exudes winner. Yeah. Yep. Like and everything about him is no, but everything about but some people, some people end up on good teams and they play key roles. Marwin Gonzalez is that type of guy. Yes, that's right. He that's reminds right. me of a hockey captain. Yeah. Just exudes winner. Or he's maybe like a second line center, right. but he's better than the people he matches up with. Absolutely. That's interesting. You know. The third guy that I think absolutely belongs on this list, and last night was another nails performance from this guy, Sergio Romo. It's incredible. I thought his knee was going to buckle and give out, and his season was going to be over with every pitch that he threw last night. And he not only waved off Rocco and waved off team trainers, which ordinarily I hate when guys do that because like you're being selfish to stay in this game 
and perform at less than your peak because you think you're still better than your backup, that's selfishness. But in this case, last night, this is something he's been dealing with for a while, so it's not like some new surprising thing, and he probably wasn't scared of his knee buckling. Just those of us watching on TV and watching from Target Field were scared that he was going to topple over at any point. And he kept throwing over to first base because you could tell he was like kind of testing out his knee, right? You guys see him like step off and throw to first, not trying to pick the guy off, just like, hang on, if I put all my weight on this. Looked close to balking a couple times. <laughs> he did too. as a way of testing that knee. And instead of shriveling in that moment or instead of inviting one ounce of self doubt, Sergio Romo leaned on three World Series titles and years and years of a successful late inning reliever in the big leagues and said, no, it's okay. No, I'm just I'm just going to strike this guy out, and this game's going on. I, I'm not going to be the reason we lose this game. I thought that his outing just, um, just bred this different kind of feeling into the group. I don't know if it did. I'm not part of the team or anything, but I watched him get through that inning, and I couldn't help but think like, yep, I bet there are going to be some teammates proud of that moment and want to go out and do well for Sergio. I mean, I don't know that they would want to go out and do well necessarily for Sergio. Like, they should want to do that anyways. But the list that you bring up is all guys that have been there before. Yeah. That's why they're you're bringing up guys that aren't scared of the moment because they've all been in those moments. Sergio Romo's won, what, three World Series in his career. Yeah. Marwin Gonzalez has a World Series title. Nelson Cruz has played in a World Series despite not winning it, losing a, a Game 7 in 2011 to the Cardinals and, and losing it again to the to Sergio Romo and the Giants back in 2010. So it's it's not as if these guys haven't been there. They all have. That's why I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah, for sure. And there's a something like learned about that. So what's the trickle down uh, off your point, Derek? What's the trickle down potentially in that bullpen of Romo yeah. on Rodgers? Because Rodgers has always been sort of very stoic. It's not like he, he's yeah. an excitable dude. Did you see last night? Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. I'll let you get your question. Did you see last night they played like a little montage as they're going to extra innings. Manny, I don't know if you saw this or whatever. They were like going to commercial break and they showed Tyler Duffy getting a strikeout and pumping his chest. Like, you know, let's go. Yeah. And then they showed Sergio Taylor. Romo do the little like shooting from the hip jump thing and like, yeah. And then they showed Taylor Rogers get out of the inning and he just collected some spit on his lip and like, let it go. It was not a celebration. He I was just like guy. walking off, and it's like I love this. That. Is the picture of Taylor Rogers? That's I absolutely who he is. love that. But but what do you think the, the impact in the bullpen is of Sergio on Taylor too? Because sure. because you guys are right. Sergio brings a credibility factor that that bullpen clearly lacked previously, and so because it does, it seems like since Sergio got here, Taylor is even more emboldened and confident. And certainly, because he had that run in July before the trade was made, I think the ERA went up to six plus over, let's say, a six game span. Mm -hmm. You looked very, very in control since Sergio got here. I agree with that. I it's more of a question than a you know what declarative statement. Yeah, I'll go. I'm going to go add a couple people to this question too because, like, I think there's been a wear off effect on Tyler Duffy. Um, I think there's been a wear-off effect on Trevor May. Those are two guys who, trust me, before the trades, they thought they were good. I mean, I've talked with those guys for years and years. They're confident. They're big leaguers. They should be confident. But it's a new level now. One, it's because, like, they're better. So when you have better weapons, it's easy to go out and be confident, right? Like, great. Um, 
But there's also just it's like a self-belief that I, I truly do think stems from a guy, whether it's Nelson Cruz or whether it's Marwan Gonzalez or Rocco Baldelli, or I don't know who started it. Um, Sergio Romo is on the short list of candidates that I would say are responsible for this feeling that, like, I'm good enough to go strike that dude out. Oh, a leadoff double? Oh, that's okay. Strike out, ground out, strike out. Let's go. Let's get out of this inning. And... If there's just even like a tiny little bit of self-doubt, I do think it makes you perform worse. I think Taylor Rogers has reached that level. I think Tyler Duffy has reached that level. And I think last night didn't go so well for him. But Trevor May, for me, has reached that level with his stuff. Um, do you remember the quote? This is what stuck in my head when you asked the question or, or made your statement, Judd. Remember when Taylor Rogers gave up? I think it was on a back-to-back. It was a couple weeks ago. And uh, like a lefty got him. I don't remember the game situation. It's escaping me. But the quote was, yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm not worried about it because I don't think there are too many guys that are better against lefties than me. Boston game. And I think everyone in that room would agree with it. You, you're right. The Red it was, Sox it was Fenway. in Fenway. Yep. And he goes, and I think anyone around here would agree. And I read that and I thought, if you don't know Taylor Rogers, that sounds incredibly cocky. I know I'm like a tiny little bit. It's not like we're buds, but I covered him for a couple of years going back to the fall league in 2015. He's not a guy that we know at all. Exactly right. He just, he's very. But you know what, though? It didn't strike me as, as arrogance. It struck me as, I don't think he said that first. I think somebody said that to him, and he's repeating it to the I media. I couldn't decide. And I read that quote. I did not hear it. I could not decide if that was him trying to. Have an air of confidence to tell the public that or himself that. Yeah, who are and you I trying to convince? And I just don't know because <laughs> yeah. I didn't see it. I wasn't there, yeah. But he does seem to have, and and plus, you know what, too? The bullpen thing, the Romo acquisition has allowed that bullpen for most everyone now to slot into an area that they're comfortable in. I, I think the May and Duffy thing goes back to too much was being asked previously, yeah. and now everybody is in a role that they are pretty comfortable with. That's the thing that I think brought the most confidence for those guys is they didn't have to pitch in nearly as big of spots and it's easier to pitch into in medium leverage or low leverage situations and when you're doing that well you're going to build confidence so Romo being acquired didn't necessarily automatically give those guys confidence it's not like he gave them some secret potion and they all all of a sudden became super confident it's he took high leverage situations away from them and it allowed them to pitch in moments where the pressure wasn't as big, the lights weren't as bright, and they were better. And when you're better, you're going to become more confident. That's how it's going to work. It is the Twin Show. It's TCL Broadcast Studio, 651-646-8255, 651-646-8255. If you would like to join the conversation, let's come back and talk about um, a few things, including playoff roster construction, the left side of the Twins infield. And I think Derek and I have a very different view of what transpired last night at Target Field. I think Danny's with me, but I'm not sure. But we'll find out. Manny, I need your help. My baseball friends, Mackie here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Business owners, I'm talking to you, and I've been one myself. I know what goes into it. You love it, but you're grinding every day, solving problems, taking care of employees. It helps tremendously to have an insurance company that gives you peace of mind as you navigate the challenges of running a business. When you partner with Federated, you get more than just a policy. You benefit from over a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect your. The Score North Twin Show. Bomba. On Score North and scorenorth.com. Also available on demand on the Score North mobile app, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. 
Ground ball right side and through. Through scores. Rosario heading home. We are tied. And we were tied a lot last night, and then we were untied, and then we were tied again. TCL Broadcast Studios, the Twin Show. Uh, Zolget, Cunningham, Wetmore, Manny Hill producing. All right, let's go around this room. And I want, let's all give our Cliff Notes thoughts on what transpired last night. Because I think we're going to get some very different thoughts here. I'm pulling up the box score. <laughs> Should we start with Wetmore? And, and I'll keep mine short too, but let's all keep it short. But sure. what, what is our, if there, if there can be a takeaway from, a, hold on a second here, I'm going to get my scorecard out. 9-8. to eight. If there can be a takeaway from a 9-8 to eight game on September the 17th against a White Sox team that is largely, well, checked out at times, and evidently not, what should it be? Derek, Danny, and then I'll go. I think that it is a good win for the Twins. It brings the magic number down. And it shows that you are not willing to fold up the tents, even against a bad team in a game that you could have just folded. So that's what I think. I think what stands out to me is not the blown 5-0 lead, it's the comeback. I think that the the blown 5-0 lead needs to be mentioned. I, I give them credit for not quitting and for continuing to come back and the the offensive resiliency is impressive but the bullpen not doing its job last night is something that I think should worry you especially against the 18 Judd like you said in the White Sox that has essentially folded on their season they're ready to hit the golf course they're ready to go on vacation I don't blame them in a game between a team that is a competitor and a team that's not a competitor last night was miserable because it, it went on forever it's September 17th it's a game that doesn't matter it's miserable all right, I'll give you a couple bullet points. Um, one, one personally, I would have quit. This offense isn't going to quit. Credit to them. Two, if they weren't going to probably almost certainly have to bullpen a game, I really wouldn't care very much. But last night unfolded from a standpoint, a semblance at least, of what a bullpen game would look like. And my fear is you're up five rip. You have to win the game. It's the Yankees. Now Trevor May gives up those home runs, and you lose 11-5. to five. Uh, the other quick one from me is I am uh, growing more and more concerned, and, and I think internally these are things that the Twins probably consider, uh, about the left side of the infield in the ALDS. Because Polanco seems to... Early in the season, I started to trust him a little bit, and now I'm back and forth, and Miguel at third base, and I know Miguel can hit the ball a long way. Uh, so so if I'm the Twins internally talking today, I say, oh, that was fun, they won, uh, but then... The two concerns are the bullpenning game, how that, how exactly that we plan to work that out, and the left side of the infield. I think you got to at least think about. So, I, let's dig into the bullpen thing because I actually view yesterday as like no big deal. Okay, I, it it doesn't worry me. I I think I get I get where it's coming from. Trevor May is a key reliever for you, and he gave up two earned runs. Okay, to a bad team. I get that. I just look at it and I say, okay, Trevor May's been awesome for six weeks. Tyler Duffy's been awesome for longer than that. Sergio Romo pitching on what looked like one leg, and I'm not joking about that. How concerned should we be about your point well, on that? Because that's worth delving into. That's a great, I mean, that's, yeah. I didn't really think about that much, but that's been a long time problem. How concerned should we be about yeah, that? Yeah, I agree. Hang on one quick second, because then like Taylor Rogers also has a great inning, and the people who gave it up at the end, like Ryan Harper's not pitching for you in the ALDS. So, oh no, I'm 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 sorry. I'm talking about five nothing to five five. Sure. Oh yeah, so no, you're talking no, no. Mar- I don't care Perez about. I don't care about extras. Okay. Sorry. Sergio Romo is fascinating because, like, we saw this the other day, and this was what maybe two weeks ago at Target Field, and we were all kind of thinking, is he okay? 
And Rocco, who's worked with him before, they were together in Tampa, said basically, not a concern. Like, he didn't even elaborate. It was, you know, if it's, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, we saw um, Jonathan Scope swing and kind of grab his side, so it's something we're going to monitor and we'll get him test. Sergio Romo, it was like, not a problem, period. Get out of my office. <laughs> it was kind of the vibe that it, he gave off. Sergio talked about it, too. This is something I've dealt with before. This is not something I'm worried about injuring further. It just kind of, I haven't heard a good explanation for it. Maybe one of you guys have, but... All I've heard them say is like, oh, it just kind of happens. Like, I don't know if his his joints are flexible or what it's like. Is it a trick knee, basically? I mean, if it, if it it's looks like it that, gives out, right? If it's something that just kind of happens, there's a chance it happens in a big spot and it doesn't end well for you. Sure. But you're gonna have like, to- like, if that happens against the White Sox last night, you can find a way to get out of it. If that happens against the Yankees in the ALDS, I like my chances if I'm New York. But you have to run that risk. You have if to. you're the twins, there's yeah, no way around. But it's cause for best. concern. Yeah. He's one of your oh, four sure. best relievers, but I, and he's just going to pitch. I guess I'm trying to talk about things that we can control here. Like, I can't control his knee. No. If his knee buckles and goes, it's just gone, and that's it. But as far as things, and yeah, I'm not concerned. I, I To uh, be clear, I am not concerned about what transpired in extras, Derek. I don't care. Okay. I'm I'm concerned about five nothing gets to five five. Yep, for sure. And, and that's where that's where my thoughts on this game end at five five. Okay, that's interesting because I. But I so, guess my question is, is this then? Sure. What is the bullpen game look like? I don't compared- do a bullpen game. And I, so I don't know where that's coming from. I know Phil brought it up on the show the other day. You but don't like, do a bullpen game. No. So what? who's your third starter? Uh, Martin Perez, short leash. Hold on, I got to back away from the well. mic. Hold on. My heart's palpitating. Look, I'm so not saying what's your it's a, short leash. I'm not saying innings? it's a great that's situ- a bullpen game then. Well, okay, he's just like he's a starter with a quick hook. It's gonna like get you six outs, and it's it's still a bullpen game. Just I'd because like him to not- give me fifteen outs. <laughs> no, Martin Perez no. ain't doing that in the playoffs. Look, yeah, guys, no, you're not getting it's that, not a good situation. I'm not saying like you should be jumping for Listen, joy that Martin Perez gets to start a posting, but without Michael Pineda, what are you gonna do? I don't I don't say Have this. A bullpen game. I don't say Who, this. Because, Randy Dobnak? You know what? Don't laugh about that. I'm not laughing. I love him. He's sort of flabby. I like him a lot. Um all right. I do not say this because he is content director of the station or has been my <laughs> partner for a, a long time. Who are you talking about? But the Mackie plan, Mackie's a savvy baseball guy. The Mackie plan, which he actually, in our conversation with Smalley yesterday, also credited to him and Doogie. So let's say it's the Mackie-Doogie plan. Okay. okay. Barrios, and I think the assumption is Yankees ALDS. Barrios, bullpen game, Odorizzi here. Because as Phil pointed out, Odo gives up a lot of fly balls, and fly balls accidentally go out at Yankee State. But Derek, I think it's a good idea. I think the, I really do. The fly balls thing matters a lot less to me than if you're going to do a bullpen game. I think game two has to be the day you do it because you've got that built-in day off after it to rest your bullpen. So if you do it in game three and gotcha. say you don't get swept, yep. but if you if you do it in game three, you've got a game four the next day if it's not a sweep one way or the other. And your bullpen's going to be taxed for that game. Where if you do it game two, you've got whatever day of the week that would be, say, Wednesday off before game three on Thursday at Target Field. 
That's why you would have to do a game two. I don't care about the the fly ball stuff like that. If he's going to give up home runs, he's going to give up home runs. Yeah, it's I don't the care what ballpark. Yes, yeah, I don't care what park he's pitching in. If he's it, sure, Yankee Stadium's he, a joke. Yeah, it is. But well, I mean, both, the baseball's been flying are, out but here But then both points are good. Mackey's points good and your points. Sure, good. but I think that getting if you're going to do a bullpen day, having them be rested okay. for a game three matters more than oh well he gives up more fly balls. I I I don't necessarily care about that nearly as much as I think they should care about making sure that the bullpen is in the best position for Game 2 and Game 3. Come on, Whitmore. I just don't think that the value of bullpenning with this current roster, when when Brian Kenny was three years ago, two years ago, banging the drum, the Yankees got a bullpen in October, and everyone laughed at him, including Joe Girardi. Mm -hmm. And then Luis Severino gets chased in the first inning by the Twins and Brian Dozier, and this thing was looking over. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they bring in Chad Green and just arm after arm after arm after arm. And it was like, oh, my gosh, uncle, how many high leverage relievers does this club have? It turns out all of them. They had all of them. So it was easy from my perspective to see the logic in the Yankees doing that. Let me turn this question on you guys and ask, how many relievers do you trust that you're asking to cover that bullpen day? Because because it's not nine. And so you're going to ask oh, us no, to go more you're, than you're an not inning. Gonna, you're not going to you're not you're not have nine guys in your pen. No. So you're asking like, them I mean, to go more than an inning. Nine, you, you're, you're, gonna have to have, you're going to need to get five, six outs from certain guys. Sure. Like, that's not... So let's hear them. How are you piecing together this nine innings? That's because I just... Okay, I don't disagree okay. with the okay, theory okay, of no, bullpenning. This is good. It's just this the roster. It's a positive exercise. It's not right. Let's explore Before the space, we start Joe. yelling, it's a positive exercise. <laughs> All right, so I will start. Let's let's forget who these guys are as people and just say they're chess pieces, okay? Perfect. Now so you're speaking are, my anyways. language. <laughs> okay, so I don't care about their feelings. I don't care about what I'm doing to them. Okay. Um, game two. Yeah. So because Jose starting game one. Yeah, and I, and I think Jose currently James Paxton gives you a chance. James Paxton's been great, but I think that gives you a chance. And, and keep in mind too, the Yankees are going to attach guys left and right as well. Sure. Um, I, I think I heard a couple days ago that Sabathia is going to be attached to a player, a pitcher oh, as well. Interesting. So let's start with. I'm also curious to bring up the Yankees. What Severino is going to be for them in exactly. playoffs? Because he made his season debut yesterday. He's the, back. The chances will be nothing now since he tore his Achilles. Yeah, he less. tore his Achilles. But I mean, if you make that if, trade, do you and t- I mean, Severino's got a fresh arm. Yeah, it's yeah. not like he's pitched all year. He's thrown what four innings this year now. <laughs> do you start? So here's my question. Okay, and and I'm I, I am throwing this out there. Let's say that we are the Twins having <laughs> this discussion. Yeah. So this is not a hot sports take. This no, it's is all, uh, it's all productive. This is a. Uh, do you start in game two because of sort of the slop he can throw? Do you start and try to get three to six outs from Devin Smeltzer? And Perez, by the way, can even factor into the equation of which we're speaking right now. Okay. Because I don't I think the one thing, the one area where I disagree with you completely, Derek, is to say Martin Perez, go get fifteen outs or try. Yeah, it's try. I don't, I don't think we'll, he's gonna do we'll it. We'll get you out when the water gets I, hot. I think if you get six or seven outs from okay. Martin Perez, you're thrilled. Does it make more sense then to start a guy like Smeltzer and try and get five to six outs? I think from the first guy, you need six outs. Your opener, okay, you need so to who, get six outs. Who gives you the best chance to get six outs? Martin Perez. Who's a better pitcher, Devin Smeltzer or Martin Perez? Boy, Martin Perez against the... I'm, try, I'm trying to think of somebody that can throw some crap up there. You're throwing gonna... too much into like who you what you think of them as guys. Just what do batters do against these pitchers? Who's the best? Okay, well then Martin Perez gets me six outs, though. Perfect. But he's not... Okay, then... But that turns into a bullpen game. And you see how that those six outs game. went. If no, 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 he's no. gone. No, he's gone. No, that's, what? That, he's gone. He's out. 
That's crazy talk. He he. There is not a single pitcher or there is not a single hitter in the lineup. He sees twice. I'm trying to. Manip- I am not letting a single. So you go, a let him go for the third. Him. If he strikes them all out in a row, six sure, up, six down. Sure, he's not getting you more than nine outs. I'm aiming at six, and and <laughs> I am I am if I'm Rocco, I am trying my damnedest to manipulate victory. You know, you know what this is for sure. You oh, know what 100%, this is? Yeah, this is Vikings going into Green Bay last week, and I said Kirk Cousins needs to be a puppet quarterback. I need puppet pitchers. I'm, I'm controlling everything everything they do. And I'm never saying, well, you're doing a good job, so go back out there and get them. I, I am going in with a game plan, Thad, Falvey, and me, if I'm Rocco, yeah. of you are all on puppet strings, and I don't care what you say to me. Totally. I, I don't care if I like you. I don't care if I hate you. John Lackey's not talking his way back into exactly. this game. You're out of here. Exactly, which is why I think I, I'm with Danny. I, I go in then saying, if I'm going to start Martin Perez, I want six outs. And after that, I'm going elsewhere. Okay, so your other uh, let's let's keep doing the math here. You're talking seven more innings that you're going to cover. Yeah. Well, hang, hang on. I have one more thing here. Do you think yeah. that it matters for the opener if the opposing lineup has seen him? If um, they face each other, because not really. Perez has an outing against the Yankees, and and so does Smelter. Smelter fared much better against yeah. the Yankees. And Smelter a, was awesome, it, but it, it was in a low leverage situation game that they lost. He pitched the the last. You guys five remember innings. what happened in that game? That was at Target Field. Jake Odorizzi started. He got lit up like a Christmas tree, and then they went to Devin Smelter for five innings. I think one run. And it was really good. Yeah, it was he, great. He gave up one well. run, and the Yankees won ten to seven. Piggyback those guys again. That's, that's what, yeah, what that, you're going to do. That's what we're talking about that's here. Perfectly fine. So that's game. Two, well, Jake Odorizzi starting for me. No, I no because you're going to need I'll to bullpen to this. I, I think you're going well, to need to bullpen a game, and I would I'll much rather to, have a day off after. Doing I'll listen that. to both those cases. I just like I I had been thinking what Derek said the entire time, and then Phil said, "Well, if, if you think of it this way for the bullpen game in game two, and Danny, you also brought your arguments to the table, the and I will after. listen to both those things. The day off after is an interesting way to. Approach I am. It. I, I think that's setting yourself up for the best case scenario for the series. You, so can, getting, you can't you can't think about just the one game. I know it's right. a one game at a time, but you also do have to think about okay, if we win, and then we're leading in. In game three, or say we do it in game three, Twins do it game three, win game three, but you have to use Taylor Rogers for six outs at the end of it. And then he's got to pitch the next day because it's game four and you're down two games to one and you need him to get you five outs. It's interesting. That's probably not going to go well. This is working out really. I'm doing it right now. Does it change for you guys as you scribble some notes there, Dr. Zolgad? What what I'm doing, (laughs) Rocco, if you're listening, stop here, University Avenue. I've got a piece of paper for you. There's a light rail stop right out front. Or you, you. you know what? Talk Rocco's busy. Derek Falvey, you're probably doing nothing right now. Get over here and get this piece of paper. I'm actually going through, as we're talking here, the bullpen day, the game, and it is it's masterful. <laughs> I can't believe what I'm doing. Well, let me let me ask you guys, before you unveil your master plan here, and let's do it before the break. What? I don't know if I can. I'm just yeah, so, yeah this might, you're going to be weeping. I'll have to read up your sheet. I hope I don't. Stay in the plan. I'm going to give Falvey on tears. Judd's breaking down. I'm so new baseball now. This is what Michelangelo felt like. For you, it's either tears or ketchup. (laughs) This is so... Theo Epstein, you're done. 50-year-old's going to replace you. First ballot Hall of Famer. Go ahead. Uh, Does it matter for you if the Twins win game one? Like, do you change your mind? Does does or, Or do you set your pitching plan going into the series, say, hey, these are the innings we'd like you to cover, barring something crazy... Here's your here's your job. No, because I think that it would psychologically mess with 
the guys on your own team. It, it feels like if you lose game one to New York or Houston, whoever they play, and then you you change what you're going to do in game sure. two, it feels like you're panicking. It feels like you're reactionary. It, it feels move. like you're already counting yourselves out, and okay. that you have to change something to salvage it. When in reality, yeah, you're now your backs are kind of up against the wall. But you're not done. Like you're right. not cooked because of that. Right. I agree completely. Okay. So I, don't, I don't change. change a thing. And plus, I don't think these guys would. The, these guys seem to me to be pretty strategic and not reactionary. So my sense is that they will have a plan going in, and it'll be Barrios. It might be bullpen game two. It might be Odo game two. I I don't know, but I don't think they would waver based on what happened. It's interesting. Yeah. Do you? With but, Falvey, Levine, no, Rocco. No. I don't see them not being really. like they they if if they ever sweat, we don't see it. Yeah. The only thing I can see them like changing from what a typical game would be is like if you've got, let's say Barrios is cruising, eight innings, he's just untouchable, and then you've got three killer lefties coming up in the middle in the ninth with the game on the line. I might just, I might go to Taylor Rogers. Like this is the optimistic view of optimistic views, but that's the one thing (laughs) I think they will change is they'll hunt matchups. And it won't be like sure. any second guessing. It's no, we want this guy here in this spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I agree with you that they're not going to necessarily flip script, win or lose game one. Um, I'm just I'm fascinated because like obviously not to beat a dead horse, but like Michael Pineda screws this whole thing up because we're not even talking about bullpen game. Very likely no, you could not. just go Barrios, Pineda, nope, Odorizzi, and then figure out game four. If Gibson's pitching better, if Perez is pitching better, if Dobnek's pitching the best, whatever. You figure it out. Yep. But now it's like, I think Barrios gets games one and four. And so you've got to then figure out two and three, and Odorizzi's getting one of those, guaranteed. Correct. I also think Martin Perez has earned the right. Okay, I've got it. Go ahead. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, I would love to hear it. This is the Zolgad plan for the ALDS. The Zolgad plan, this could be, let's just say for what we're talking about right now, it's game two. Okay, well, so... October 4th, game one of the ALDS, Jose Barrios. Jose Barrios. And believe it or not, I've done this. I only need you guys to help me fill in two innings. Okay. That's how good this is. It's pretty good. Hope you have a lead. Um, well, that, I, that, I, that also changes things. I, yeah. Listen, if the brakes are cutting, the Bomba bus is rolling, and I don't have a lead, I'm going <laughs> to crap on my offense for this. I'm I'm Wes Johnson. That's right. That's right. I'm, I'm with You're the, taller. I'm on the side of the gods here. Martin Perez, innings one and two. Get me okay. six outs. Six outs. Martin Perez. Got it. Now, I'm going to need you guys' help on three and four, but don't go there yet. Okay. The fifth, Trevor May, which is why last night upset me a little bit, because Trevor May deserves an inning in this game. We all agree, right? Mm-hmm. One inning? Well, at least one. Okay. We, we can amend this. I'm giving okay. you okay. I'm Here, giving you a blueprint. Here's the skeleton. The fifth goes to Trevor May. The sixth goes to Tyler Duffy. The seventh... And this is assuming that I've got that lead, okay? Because my offense better be coming through, or I'm going to Rami's apartment. I'm going to drag him off his couch right now with his staycation and beat him up. No, they will. Okay. Seventh inning, Sergio Romo. Yep. Eighth and ninth, Taylor Rogers. Yeah, exactly. So I only need the third and the fourth. So Duffy goes to May goes to. Well, if, if you want to bring in Duffy, but or, or if you want to bring in, Greta that's what I was going to say. <laughs> now, now I explained to Rami. I don't know that I trust him. That that's what I. I told, I said, I know that Bruzdar on Saturday looked fantastic, but it, that's scary. That's a big ask. Sure. So, well, of course I, it is. I'm, he's on my roster, and I'm not eliminating this. But I think I can get us to a place here. Kyle Gibson? Is he getting an inning? No. If he's not going to be in your starting uh, no, rotation? No, I, I don't trust Kyle Gibson. <laughs> I trust. I <laughs> Don't trust him. Derek, I trust Smeltzer more right now. What about uh, Zach Littell? 
Yeah, Latell. I love Smelter. that. Okay. I, I think I would go Latell after when? after Perez. So the third. because you've got the your your opener is a lefty. So I would bring good. in a righty after that. Okay, and then obviously you're right-handed heavy until you get to to Taylor Rogers back end. But I would like to if you have a lefty opener, I would like to see a righty X Factor liner. I guess. Oh wait, wait, that's a tease. X Factor is a tease okay. because we have figured out in That's, this studio right are. now the blueprint for what the Twins should do in the bullpen game. It's the Twins show on the all-new Score North on 1500. Let's around some banter. Twins. Twins. The Score North Twins show on Score North and scorenorth.com. All right, Score North download time, and it is brought to you by Baird Baird, offering trusted financial advice and services since 1919 and uh yes you are in the midst of the score north first place twin show but uh last hour and uh you can check it out now on scorenorth.com and the score north mobile app it was vikings vent line with judge zolgad and danny cunningham and uh they speculated much about uh one jalen ramsey of the jacksonville jaguars and uh, how he has requested a trade and uh they laid out a plan of how the vikings could maybe get a deal done to get the star corner. And also on uh, Matthew Collar, uh, Matthew Collar's piece on scorenorth.com, Collar lays out a way for the Vikings to do it and why they should do it as well. So check all that out on scorenorth.com and the scorenorth mobile app. That is your score north download. Now back to the score north first place twin show. Thank you, sir. It's Zolgad. It's Cunningham. It's Wetmore until one o'clock when uh, the twin show will continue. Brian Murphy and Wetmore will take over at that time. All right, just quickly. Game two, ALDS bullpen game. All right? <laughs> Perez, your first two. Littell, the third. May the fourth. Doogie chimes in via text, and I like this. Duffy takes you through the fifth and sixth. So now you're even closer. Romo, the seventh. Rogers, the eighth and ninth. Can we all agree that's a decent plan? I'm good with it. I think it's a decent plan. I would contemplate letting Romo get four or five outs even. Unless sure. there's maybe, maybe yeah. sure, yeah, and, yeah. and then depends on matchup. And it, it depends on matchups right. too. But I would maybe if Rogers pitches an inning and a third or an inning and two thirds, and okay. Romo gets you four or yeah, five. It can outs be different. Instead. I just think that 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 That's core order, yeah. that core group works for me. Yeah. Yeah. Now a caller he was holding on the line and he and he dropped off for for whatever reason. He did ask the question of what happens with the plan for the bullpen game in game two if Jose Barrios <laughs> only gives you four or five innings in game one. I mean, you're probably just screwed then at that point, then right? I, then I kiss my butt goodbye. Yeah. That is probably, yeah. yeah then you're going is that home. a phrase? Do people say that? It, it, it's not butt. It's, uh, uh, oh, okay. I could probably say it, but right, just I won't. There might be children tuned in. Yeah, it's a family school, show. But it's I need 1250. <laughs> I need Burrios to give me six or seven. I really do. You need Burrios to be a number one starter. Yeah. And if he's not, yeah. that that's a problem. Okay. Here's the other thing, just quickly. because X-Factor? You, you were talking about X-Factor before the break. Thank you. I'm curious on two things. One. Now you got my brain spinning on this Brios thing. Is game game one and two, are they back to back? Yes. So you want to go bullpen game after Rogers and Romo and all those guys and, just pitched? And then and then the travel day. Ooh, I like that less. I and forgot then, about that. The back to back on the front end of it. Because you're gonna get Brios and he's not going nine. Right, but let's say he can go seven. I mean sure. man, he's right. He needs to be an ace. Yeah. I need seven. If you get a bad start out of Barrios, you're done anyways. Like you're not going to be. Able I'm in to Yankee Stadium. I'm gonna go. Well, well, which is why. Yeah, that's like that, unless yeah. Barrios comes out and shoves. Well, and and by the way, this is also per, uh, predicated on if I get a bad start from Barrios, my offense needs to score twelve runs. 
Like, I'm sorry, but I'm going to turn, and it's not fair, but I'm going to turn to those guys and say, Yep, expectations. If, if Barrios collapses, if Barrios is a mess, Pick then up. I flat out, it's Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. I need you to win 16 15. Pick them up. Eddie, smell that short portion, right? Field. No, but <laughs> that's hit a couple. But that's, that's yes. true. That's yes. this team, right? So, like, ex- if you get beat 15 to 2, I'm done. The X factor that I talked about uh, before the break, and I don't know that I put a lot of eggs in this basket, but it's just, it'd be interesting if they had another high leverage arm here. The X factor is not Gratterall. The X factor is Sam Dyson. If he gets anywhere near a mound again at the end of, is that his shoulder falling I'm, off? Yeah, I'm just slouched here. Oh. What? Sam Dyson, you said? Feel bad for that guy uh, because he is. We haven't had a great experience with him in Minnesota, obviously. Right. But you look at his numbers. He's a guy I was advocating them picking up three years ago when the Rangers DFA'd him after a bad season. I was like, sure. you look at this dude's secondary numbers. I think actually maybe this was in 17, mm-hmm. not 16. But I'll like, you look at this dude's secondary numbers. He's a monster. And he's then gone and proved it for a couple years with the Giants. He was a great pitcher. Late inning reliever that you'd never heard of and gets to Minnesota and yeah, shoulder, boom, done. He's probably done though, right? Seasons in jeopardy. That's the last report I saw. He was seeing Dr. Elitrash, um, Elitrash, however you pronounce that's that. Good. That's very, very close. I, I gave it a, a good, honest effort, but I just, if he comes back, yeah. the bullpen game math gets way, way easier. If not, I think you count on four guys and that's what you do. If I'm Derek Falvey and Thad Levine, I am furious with the San Francisco Giants right now. Well, I hope you filed privately a grievance of some sort against yeah. them, right? When do we hear about that, if that were to have happened? I don't know. I would guess the offseason. I don't know, but I want my prospects back. Yep. Jalen Davis, he could uh, factor in here in the mix. I'm an outfielder with a big bat. I send you. And then uh, K. Actually, you know or... what? I want my prospects back, and I will give you some cash. And that's it. See, I kind of I want to see what Dyson is next year, and you got him under team control. He's he's. I'm not counting on him for October. I brought him up as like a sleeper dark horse X factor. Okay, then I want one of my prospects back. Sure. I, I'll keep him, and I will send you some cash, and that's it. Right? I don't know. How I gotta get something. Work. I would bet nothing happens. Yeah, that's this no isn't fun. this isn't a case of like I would bet nothing happens. You remember a couple right, of years no ago fun. with the Padres, how they were like subverting the process and like. Well, the St. Louis Cardinals. Ex- yeah, they hacked passwords, hacked. but like explicitly That's really lying. illegal. They were explicitly creating like multiple different medical reports for a player. What some were public, some were internal. Yeah, That's illegal. And that is bad intention. But Manny's, That's nefarious. Manny's right. I, I would be, I wouldn't just sit there I'm and livid. be like, That's okay. I'm livid. Yeah, but they, the Giants will be able to turn around and say, Hey, he was really good pitching for us with whatever he dealt with. Yeah. He was pitching really, Except, really you know well. What? The smoking gun is not going to stop me from being ticked off at him. <laughs> you can be mad all you want. That's what no. they're going to say, and they're not going to be wrong. There, there's a smoking gun here. Dyson telling the media after he was put on the aisle the first time, My arm's been killing me for two years. That's two a smoking months. gun. And either way. Oh, I thought, I thought he, no, said, he years. said two years. Really? Yeah, yeah, he said years. Oh, I missed that's that. Sm- that's a smoking gun. Well, if his arm's been killing him and he's still been a great late-inning reliever. That's exactly what they're going to say. It's, they're going to say it didn't affect him here. Why would yeah, we expect good. it to you affect tra- him you, there? Because you traded me a time bomb. But they didn't know that. They said his arm might have been hurting, but he was still Here's pitching the other great. Thing. It's fraud. I'm suing you now. Here's the other thing. If you wanted to hire, if you wanted to set Law your order. sights higher on the trade market, you yep. could have. If you were the Twins. Yep. You oh, I don't. Yeah, right. oh, yeah, yeah you that's right. You didn't have to wait until three fifty-five yeah. in the afternoon to trade for Sam Dyson. Bravo, Wetmore. You're exa- that's exactly that's exactly one hundred percent right. I'm trying that's to defend the right. Twins people, but yeah, you're right. If you want to go there, I defend them when they deserve it. Um, 
I wanted to ask you guys about this. We might be running out of time, so I'll get to it with Brian Murphy, but just real quickly so yeah. we can have some fodder here. Yep. Uh, this Twins team, to me, I talked about how resilient they are, and they just sort of, Nelson Cruz just like <laughs> oozes winning from his pores, it seems to me. Um, what, if you can cast your memory back, what is the group of players, professional athletes, that you have covered in your long and illustrious respective careers covering sports that just felt like winners. It had a different feel. It was just on another level from just this ordinary, this is the job, I do this, but there are those special right. seasons we all know about them. I'll go quickly. 2009 Vikings, once Favre came aboard, beyond a shadow of a doubt, had an air of confidence. Did veteran players. flip right immediately? That, and Favre, you know, Favre would come in and whip towels around and fart and stuff, and it just worked. It clicked instantly. Uh, the best team I saw get on a run, not a great team, 2003 Wild, which went to the conference finals, but had just this weird air of confidence. And you said, you're going to get be out in the first round and bang conference finals. Sure. The 2016 Cavs. Yeah, Cavs. I mean, there, there's, I've that never, fun. I, I have never been around an athlete like LeBron James. I don't think I ever will be around another athlete like LeBron James. I mean, for my money, I think he's the greatest basketball player of all time. There's yeah. a, a different energy in every room that he is ever in there's a different desire to win there it's just it's kind of unexplainable so is he the Favre or are there supporting cast members on that Cavs team that you feel like there were had so, that same deal oddly enough when the Cavs made the trade for Channing Fry in the middle of that season it changed a lot of things in that locker room because it was a locker room with a lot of personality and a lot of ego and, and Kyrie Irving was part of that and Kevin yeah. Love was there but when Channing Fry came there, it was he was kind of someone that united all of these little groups of players, all of these cliques of players. He kind of united that, and Richard Jefferson was the same way. So a lot of the role players that didn't like Channing Fry collected DNPs in the finals, yeah. but he they don't win a title without him. Was James Jones one of those guys too? On James, that team? James James Jones was there, but yeah, James Jones was the guy that kind of stood up to LeBron yeah. in halftime of Game Seven. That's the, the famous story that was, I believe, told in Brian Winhurst and Dave McMenamin's book was that Ty Lue kind of reamed LeBron in halftime of Game 7 against the Warriors, and LeBron got upset about it. And James Jones goes, well, he's not wrong. You need to be better. And then the rest is kind of history. We know what happened. Wow. That's awesome. Yes. And I love that I stuff. love it that's when it's great. somebody like Richard Jefferson, because that's Marwin Gonzalez. Like, Marwin Gonzalez is not the best player on this well, team. Well, and, and at least Marwin Gonzalez could have said that he had won a title. Richard Jefferson went to the finals his first two years, and then didn't sniff it again hmm. until he got to Cleveland. All right, guys. Thanks much. Fun show, guys. Murph next. Yes. More Twins talk as well, including uh, the subject that we just talked ask about. Ask that same thing. <laughs> which is, when When do you know and what teams stood out? And I'm sure a lot more Twins talk to go in the next hour. Let's take a break. Come back after this. More Twins show. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's the Score North Twin Show. Been trying to show them over the summer and, and you know just see them how they're how they're communicating with each other and trying to build a brotherhood. <laughs> well, how about that for a brotherhood? Huh? There we go. Let's so talk about diehard Twins fan. I'm pumped. You, go. <laughs> you threw me off there, Marty. I appreciate the commentary. You're the good luck charm, apparently. That was awesome. Uh, that highlight, courtesy of Fox Sports North, that is Timberwolves head coach Ryan Saunders and lifelong Twins fan, 
Ryan Saunders. As Ryan Lamar is hitting a home run into right center field. <laughs> While he's being interviewed. That was that was some kind of fun. Uh, this is Hour 2 of the Score North First Place Twin Show. I'm Derek Wetmore with Manny Hill on the other side of the glass. And we welcome in special guest to the studio, Brian Murphy. Murph, how you doing, man? I'm doing very well. I'm glad I could find the place. Yeah. I, love, I love what you've done with it. The remodeling. It's very modern. Pretty nice, I've been right? here in over a year. It's fantastic. We're doing uh, Score new North now. Yeah. It's not even new anymore. But. No. Well, it still feels new. I told you on the phone today, like, it shocks me that we're nine months into Score North. But yeah. Here we are. Score North, Minnesota Sports, anytime, anywhere. This particular show, if you are a follower of Murph and are just now finding the Score North First Place Twin Show for the first time, this is the five-day-a-week twin show every weekday at noon on Score North. We say it's live from Bombasota, the land of 10,000 rakes, where the magic number... <laughs> Is seven. Seven, that's right. They're down to seven, But Brian. Cleveland's playing the Tigers, so I, yeah. I, it's going to stay uh, high for a bit. I saw them tweet that they've won 15 games against the Tigers yes, this year. 15 in a row. Just, ugh. So, Murph, let me let me ask you this very quickly. Okay. Just to sort of jump off topic a tad bit. Oh, now, boy, here we go. We do that sometimes. You're a native Detroit. You're a Detroiter, right? Yes, is that, what that they call is correct. Them? Yes, Detroiter. So, you grew up cheering for the Tigers, I would imagine. Absolutely. And I know that being in the Twin Cities for a number of years that you that as you have, you've probably been able to sort of separate your fandom from the Tigers over time and everything. Pretty much, yeah. But and, and the industry beats the fan out of you too. But my God, man, what is if if put yourself in in a Detroiter's point of view now and well, seeing what's going on there now. The team with lost Guardy and everything. I know they just extended Guardy last week too. He gets another year of this. Uh, oh, uh, I missed horrible. that. Yes, I did not they know did. That. They extended him last year. Congratulations for another Ron year. Uh, I mean, I get. Hey, it's ball, right? You're making money. Hey. There's the bar is very low. Yeah. The fans love him there. Okay. I mean, it's not Guardy's fault. It's yeah. the front office that's a mess. But yeah. they lost 105, 110 games or something like that in 2003. Uh, so they had a team. horrible t- yeah, team right. at, the, at the turn of the century. Mike right Maroth when they and Jeremy Bonderman were yeah, in, I the, think, uh, in the deep Bobby end of the Higginson pool right away. Still there. I think Alan Trammell was managing that <laughs> yeah, team, yeah, sadly enough. Uh, but then they turned it around pretty quick, got to the series in 06. They were in the series in 2012. I always tell people, you know, I moved here in 2000. Uh, I was 28. I was, like I said, I once once I moved here and then started covering sports, I kind of lost my fandom, you know, and my team was the 84 Tigers. They won it all. Yeah. I don't care if they ever win another title. I was 12. Good enough. That's good enough. As a 12-year-old kid, if your team wins the World Series, you don't need another championship the rest of your life. I was fine. (laughs) Uh, Then the Twins, of course, you know, screwed them in 87. But as far as, you know, they've been in the series a couple times the last 10 years. It's, you know, I... I, I'm fine with you know the where they are rebuilding. Uh, it's the rest of the town, the the whole market's a mess right now. The yeah. Red Wings are mediocre. The Pistons are off the radar, and uh, you know the, the Lions, Lions are the are Lions. Just, I mean, you know they opened the season with a tie, and it was a beautiful way they tied. And I don't know where to start with them. So I <laughs> I, I I think people there have been spoiled because they've had a nice run, uh, but I. They're not drawing well, I know that. No, you say the industry beats the fan out of you. It's like being a Lions fan might beat the optimism out of you. It would beat the optimism out of anybody. (laughs) But the thing, I always tell people they've won one playoff game since 1957. Think about that. No kidding. I was at it though. So <laughs> it was oh, 1991. The, the Cowboys, right? Yeah, yeah, Manny, you got a great memory. Yeah, they. Oh, they. He's a when, steel trap. They, that's uh, when Barry Sanders had like yes, three or four he had a Tiger defenders. Um, he had a couple Cowboy del- defenders just like spinning around. Yes, he and, did. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they po- they pounded Aikman that day too. But what's funny is they they went to Washington and lost the NFC Championship game badly, 
after that. And then, of course, the Cowboys took that loss to the Lions and turned it into two straight Super Bowl victories, mm. whereas the Lions never really did anything with it. So. Oh, see, I was going to just, just to show off here a little bit on behalf of Manny, I was going to, you just, you shared the punchline, it's perfectly fine. I was going to ask Manny who won that 1991 Super Bowl, and he could have told you the winner, the yeah. loser, and the Super Bowl MVP. Well, was the one, it was Washington, here. Yeah, Washington beat Buffalo 37-24 to 24 at the Metrodome. That's correct. Oh, I don't remember. Jesus, the score. You yeah. are, Rain. He's, he's, he's Rain well, Man. Well, okay. Here, Mark try Griffin this. was the MVP, man. Mark- <laughs> Okay, hey, yeah. so he already said Cowboys in 92, but Manny, who'd they beat and who was the MVP? Cowboys in 92? Beat the Bills again. I'm sorry. I uh, they the beat the Bills for the first time, 52-17 at the Rose Bowl. That's correct. The MVP. Might have been Aikman. I think Aikman was the MVP, yeah. Because okay. Emmett was the MVP the second time they beat Buffalo We've in done Atlanta. this. We've thrown like little quiz things, and you you think to yourself like, okay, he's he's sharp, but there's no way he gets this one. And Manny's just like, oh yeah, just as if it's common knowledge. And it's not even just local knowledge; it's no. all. <laughs> Could you grow up here, Manny? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah. I mean, you got it all. I mean, he's you got amazing. you got Detroit. You, how, how do you know the score of that divisional playoff game That's from 1991? I was gentlemen. there. Well, I don't remember I don't, the score of that game. Oh, I thought you quoted game, the score. But, but that was a Super Bowl. It was like 34 to seven or something. It was a, it was yeah. a blowout at the Silver The Cowboys were sort of starting to come into their own, but they just weren't ready yet. Why we call him a super producer, Murph? He is. Uh, he's. He doesn't get credit ever for driving the Bomba bus. That's Rami. Rami's driving that thing. Yeah. But Manny's definitely co-piloting and mechanicking. Was that Eric um, Kramer, which the is... quarterback for the Lions? <laughs> you can't let it go. <laughs> yes, mean? it was. <laughs> the ultimate game manager, yes. You see what I mean? Hand the ball to Barry Sanders and throw it up for Herman Moore. Wow. That's what they did. Hey, so this dovetails perfectly into what I was just talking with Judd and Danny about. And I, I, I just have this sense, guys. And, and I know Manny feels it too. Rami's talked about this. This... Twins Clubhouse has just a different sort of vibe to it. And I don't really know how to explain it. I'm not smart enough to be able to put it into words. But I asked Danny and Judd in their respective long storied careers of covering sports in any town. Danny's like 26. Um, (laughs) And I got to warn you, I haven't been in the Twins Clubhouse all year. No, no, no. It's not about like what do they feel like now. I'm just asking you to Take from your own personal experience. Manny, if if you have an example of this too, great. Mm -hmm. A club that was just like on another level in terms of whether it's confidence or just talent that begets confidence, whatever it is, I'm not going to define it for you. What team jumps to mind when I say that? Well, I've been in the market for 19 years, and I haven't covered a ton of winners. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did. It doesn't uh, have to be local. I'm saying from any part of your memory. Well, I mean, as a fan, to me, and I mentioned them, the '84 Tigers were were just a machine. I mean, they they were they started out 35 and five. Yeah. that season, okay. and pretty much owned everybody the rest of the year. They swept Kansas City in the playoffs, took out San Diego in five games. They were on a mission from day one. They were confident. They'd grown up together. They were drafted together, developed together. Sparky Anderson was the best manager in baseball, all that. So as far as just as a witness, I would say that team was probably the most confident team I'd ever seen. Uh, Covering-wise, you know, beat-wise, I covered the 2003 Wild Sure, that people crazy kind of run. remember they went to the Western Conference Finals. Judd brought them up, yeah. Um, segment. They had a good regular season, but they were very overlooked. There was yeah, only third, just a team. third season in the market. I think they were the sixth seed in the West. 
fell behind three to one to the Avalanche, had no yep. business beating him, roared back. Fell behind three to one to Vancouver, had no business winning, roared back. Yeah. Then everybody thought, wow, just playing the parade, right? Team of Destiny. The, the uh, John Sebastian Jaguar. JS uh, and his pillow pads. Yes, did not allow a goal, I think, <laughs> yeah. for three games, and then it was all over. Yeah. Um, maybe the 2017 Vikings okay. uh, that were, what are they, 11 and 5 two years ago? 13 and 13 3. 13 and 3, right, with mm-hmm. Case Keenum. Uh, after Bradford fell apart early in the year. And then, of course, the Miracle, uh, yeah. which, again, I think had people planning a parade. Totally. Which, of course, you know, we all know how NFC Championship games work out That's in this market. Minnesota sports, yes. But. I tell people all the time at back home, you know, they... they they always reference, oh, the Vikings, you know, they're 0-4 in Super Bowls. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, that's a lifetime ago for a lot of people. The real pain and misery is in the 0-6 NFC Championship game run they've had yep. yeah. in the last 30 years. Yeah. That's where the misery is. For me, it doesn't even stretch back past 98, but, like, 98-09-17 is, like, boom, boom, boom. Oh, that's awful. defining a generation of Vikings I fans. mean, some biblical losses. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> and that 98, that 98 Vikings team could fall into the category, too, okay. of a team that was very confident. Absolutely. All the way through that season, thought I thought mean, they were going to win every were, game. People were people were packing their bags and making plans to, going to Miami, to go to Miami before the NFC Championship game even started, and then all of that seemed to stop once Randall Cunningham got strip sacked right before halftime. Hmm. Then everything was. That's like, when the vibe oh, turned. I, it I wasn't so. the Anderson Field miss. It was. I, the, I think it. I think for Randall Cunningham specifically, that's when it may have changed. Okay, <sighs> when he got when he got strip sacked right before halftime. And the Falcons recovered the ball, scored a touchdown to make it twenty to make it twenty to fourteen at halftime instead of twenty to seven. It, it Randall Randall Cunningham was never the same that game after that. Interesting. So Danny brought yeah. up the twenty sixteen Cavs and the LeBron effect, sure. and like Judd even mentioned the 09 Vikings that the day Favre got there, it was just different. Oh, you're talking about just teams in general or teams that I've covered? Yeah, teams. Just yeah. If if you have any that you even have close experience, I would agree with, with the 09 Vikings. Like the that was Vi- a magical run. It just yeah. it just changed and felt different overnight. Basically, yes. As soon as he showed up, yeah. So I'm I guess I'm curious. Like the catalyst for these, you bring up Cunningham. Like I'm I don't know. To me, this Twins team doesn't have one necessarily. There are enough things that you could point to that are new this year. I'm giving a ton of credit to Nelson Cruz, to guys like Rocco Baldelli, to the infrastructure that the Twins have built. But then also you can't overlook guys like Marwin Gonzalez, who's been in one of World Series. Sergio Romo's got three of them. Like these, these additions on the margins, even if you want to call it that, can be hugely beneficial. So do to you think team. they'll even, I mean, it's hard to say because this club doesn't have to bury necessary bear the cross of all the other teams sure. that lost to the Yankees in the playoffs but let's say they line up again against the Yankees yep. is it more of a mental hurdle for the fan base do you think than big it is the time. clubhouse big time. I don't think anybody in that clubhouse could care less about the Yankees like where was Mystique. Miguel Sano yeah. 10 years ago when the the Vikings were getting kicked by the Yankees or I'm sorry when the Twins were getting kicked by the Yankees at Yankee Stadium you know where he was he was getting ready to sign the biggest contract of his life he was preparing for the moment of a lifetime to sign his major league contract which he'd been working for for like eight years leading up to that point. He was probably, and not to place him because like I wasn't there in 2009, but he was probably playing baseball for scouts in the Dominican Republic. What does he care what Brian Dunsing did against the Yankees at Yankee State? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I, and no. that's just one example. But um, the fan base has got a lot to overcome. Oh, I, absolutely. There are some demons that need to be exercised. I'm curious, and like, I think this is a team that can do it. I don't know um, your take on that, Brian, because 
We haven't talked to twins a whole lot this summer. We talked again for the first time in a, in months this morning. What do you think about this team? Is this a team of destiny or is it uh, just a good team that'll run out of gas? Uh, I think it's a good team that's going to run into the Houston Astros. Okay. <laughs> Pitching staff. Sure. I think that's going to be their biggest problem. You right? can have as much I gas could, in the tank as you want. That's uh, a good that, team that, over that's, there. Those, uh, and, uh, I don't, I haven't looked. Does it look like they are going to line up against the Yankees for sure, or no, do we not know yet? Still? It's kind of a coin flip, okay, but I think a five game series against the Astros is not going to bode well. That's I don't what believe. I'm like. We talked about this actually it was just two days ago on the show because it is still such a coin flip that I think it's likely going to be the Yankees for a number of reasons. But either way, uh, you're going to face a team that you're probably not favored against, knowing that you have to go on the road. Yep. to beat them. It's either a good Yankees team or a good Astros team. I said I'd prefer the Yankees in round one. I would too, but because you could win twelve to ten every night, it'd be exactly fun to watch, right? right? That's exactly right. Uh, but if you if you if you're going up against uh, Verlander and uh, Hamels and our, um, Cole Cole down and, there. and and God, who's the third Greg. guy? Thank they, you. They traded for Granky. <sighs> I'm a little rusty still. It's all guys. good, man. Uh, Shaking it no, off. but if you're if you're going to those first three guys, I mean, you may, you may be looking at a sweep. It's tough for me because I've heard people talk about that in that very same way. But the problem that I take with it is like we we just and I know you're not doing this. I'm I'm shadow boxing here a little bit, swinging at ghosts. It is there's nothing absolute in baseball. Sports, really, in general. But, like, you can't come in and say, like, oh, the Yankees are a better team. So, like, ah, well, it's over for the Twins. And I just hear a lot of that mentality around. At at worst, it's like a 60-40 to me. And, like, you take a 40% chance to win the ALDS, right? And I don't, I don't know that... I'm not going out here seeking credit for a take like this, first of all. Because, like, if you're the high man on a team that wins it, like, you were smart... But that's not what I'm doing here at all, by any means. I think that the Astros are a more talented team. And I think that the Yankees are a more talented team. But I think that the Twins acquit themselves so well that in a matchup like that, they still have a fighting chance even without some of the horses that you're talking about Well, here. It, back in the old days when it was just the piranhas, you knew they, were, they yeah, weren't going to be able sure. to nip their way through a, a series against the Yankees. But now, tough. Uh, two things that I love, well, obviously they're home run hitting. I mean, they're, they're, they're the most prolific home run team ever in the history of baseball, right? Five guys with 30 plus. It's crazy. Uh, 288. What are they up to now? 287? Yeah, they're cruising two and probably past and They're going to get to 300 before the end of the season. That I mean, in this market, who'd have thunk, right? I know. That this club would do that. So that, they can change the course of a game with one swing. And that that has never sure. really had been a threat that they've had in their lineup uh, before, at least since the late 80s. That's a good point. And the other thing is their resilience. They are a very resilient club. And I give Rocco Baldelli a lot of credit for that because in games, even last night, they had no business falling behind the White Sox like they did. Sure. But they did, or blowing the leads to the White Sox that they did, but they did, of course. And they still, in twice in extra innings, came back to tie it and then win it. You know, getting plunked with the bases loaded certainly <laughs> helps. Um, but what was the storyline Friday night? Major League Baseball and the Indians screwed them with the and the weather screwed them, right? Now they got two bullpen games they got to do Saturday. Sure. They're going to be a mess, right? Well, what do they do? They just go out and and roll through yeah. uh you know, a, a two nothing shutout and then they they Sano hits the big grand slam. Their their bullpen comes in and does the job. Every time you think that they're just about to really stumble and maybe leak a lot of oil, they find a way yeah. to come up with a key hit 
a key defensive play, a shutdown inning, uh, or win a series that they need to win. And well, that's that's pretty impressive. To that's me. it. That's it. Exactly it. That I think that we look at some of their stumbles or say like, oh, this is their record against teams that are better than five hundred. And it's like that's it's removing context from the equation. Like we need to continue to throw the context for me personally, because like all good teams are worse against good teams than they are against everybody else. Yes. The Astros would have that same problem if you'd pulled up their records like that. So um, st- standing up to the Indians was a big one for me, and I think it's one of two things. Maybe it's some combination of both, and it's this special dust that we were talking about in the air earlier this segment. But like a lot of it helps to have really good players in some of those key spots too. Taylor Rogers coming in for that shutdown inning that you're talking about, or a great hitter like Miguel Sano at the plate with the bases loaded in a key spot with the game on the line. Or Cruz. Nelson, Nelson Cruz, Cruz is, is not going to is not going to melt under any kind That's of right. pressure That's, or condition. That's right. Or in the parlance of our times a high leverage situation. <laughs> you don't like the term? <laughs> uh, it's a little bit much. <laughs> it's too nerdy. Is high that, leverage. Because I get that on Twitter people say I'm too nerdy because I say high leverage. Is that nah, what you're fine. Is that it's, the criticism? You know what? I'm not going to get into that whole I don't want to come off sounding like an old man. <laughs> Uh, no, you're good. You're good. We're friends here. I'm right. just curious. No, I just I I, I love those the the, ter- the terminology today has just become fascinating. It's a to little me. geeky. It's a little, a little bit. geeky. Bled into uh, the coverage <laughs> for sure. Uh, and hey, I'm guilty of that. Um, and what's I, he slashing? That's right. He's his triple slash is off the charts this year. Uh, we could go all day well, with some of this stuff. Certainly is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's got it. Well, his is some kind of fascinating. This guy comes up to the Twins this year, Murph, and before he got a hit, I think he drew seven walks and got hit by a pitch. So he had a zero batting average, and his OBP was like 500. He was getting on base at a 500 clip without a base hit. Yeah, but that's a great way to impress in your Major League debut, too. Ted Williams was a 500 OBP for a couple of years, so I'm just saying. Um, (laughs) I don't want to get into the Ted Williams-Lamont Wade Jr. comparisons, but I I do want to talk. Well, okay, let me ask you this. Is it too early to um, be talking about what you what you take away, again, big picture view, of what the Twins are doing here, of what their process is? Because if it's not too early, I want to do that next. Okay. Do you think that Rocco Baldelli, he's not done with his first year. Derek Falvey, he's just in his third year. But, like, I think it's kind of time that we can make a declarative statement. That the, the Twins, twins way? The Twins way? Sure, if, if you, you want to call, call it the that. Twins way? If, they might re- resent the term because it took on a negative connotation sure. for a while, but I think they're back. I think this is a team that's set up to win for the future, too. Yeah, so. they are, absolutely are. Okay. I mean, because their their talent level is fairly young. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, those that are producing and those that are at least... And here's the thing. they're I know it's a cliche. Mm-hmm. They're battle-tested. Sure. This club is not going to walk into Yankee Stadium in October and be intimidated. And right. I'm not saying the 2009 Twins were. Sure. Um, but when things went wrong, they went wrong quickly. Yeah. And uh, that was also the the old, uh, you know, Teixeira, sure. uh, A-Rod, Cano. Uh, Cano. These were the, I mean, the Yankees were a much more intimidating club back then, too. So. I would agree. And just the talent. Gap was way bigger. Where I think that's close now. Nobody so. was going to beat the Yankees that year. Yeah, 2009 oh nine, when that they went and got CC and 
AJ Burnett and all Don't those forget guys. Phil Hughes, I think, was yeah, on that Phil team. Phil Hughes was on that no, team. No, don't, don't Shouts, forget Phil Cuzzy. Shouts, yeah, that's right. Oh, no, yeah, right. never forget Who Phil Cuzzy. Who could Cousy. forget? Yeah. So let's talk about the Twins and their tra- trajectory and their multi-year, what, what you see in their crystal ball looking forward with Brian Murphy next. On the Score North First Place Twin Show for Manny Hill and Derek Wetmore, uh, we'll be back after this. The Score North First Place Twin Show, live from Bomasota, the land of 10,000 rakes where the magic number is seven. How did I become a fan of baseball and everything you need to know about how baseball works? And it might get a little crazy, but let's get straight to it. Whoever scores the most runs wins. It's the Score North Twin Show. Twins. twins coverage on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Driven to right center field. Headed to the gap. It is back and off the wall. Scoring is Garver. Cruz will be held on a Rosario double. That highlight courtesy of Fox Sports North and Eddie Rosario, apparently. Um, this is the Score North First Place Twin Show. I'm Derek Wetmore with Brian Murphy and Manny Hill producing. Guys, this Twins team is uh, its obviously fun. We've had a lot of fun with it this summer. They're pacing towards probably 100 wins, but we'll see how they handle the Royals and all that stuff coming handle, up next. Handle the Royals? Yeah, handle. Handle? It sounds like you're they're bracing for them. Oh, Oh, like I'm not sure they're losing any sleep over it, <laughs> right, Brian. Exactly. I think I think they're uh, giddily, uh, excitedly awaiting well, the Royals. Welcoming games. the Royals. Yeah. So depending on how those games go and all that, and do you call off the dogs to try to get some rest? All that stuff's going to play out. Do you set up your pitching? I think they're currently doing that already with an eye on October. Anyways, fun team, bomba record. I'm curious to know, big picture, your guys' thoughts on. Well, we can even rewind. Firing Paul Molitor to move on with years left on his contract to hire a new manager, and then just generally like the overall direction. So I, I do want I want to start with Manny because we haven't even talked about this yet. We talk about the Twins every single day together, or like have a text thread or an email, or we're tweeting each other. What do you think of Rocco Baldelli? Well, to, I mean, well, let's let's start with Molitor first. Okay, yeah, actually, let's start there. Yeah, because I think Murph's going to have some thoughts on that one too. Yeah, and and I think. In three years, right? Or four, was it four years for Molly? I think it was four years, right? 15 to... So 15, 16, 17... 18. And then he did manage 18. Yeah, so four seasons. Right. Um, One playoff appearance. I think Paul did a pretty solid job. I think the move that they made to go get Rocco was... I think it was the right move for what they were looking for. And... I think they realized that, okay, we could be a good team with Paul Molitor, but we want to try and be a great team eventually with somebody that, you know, we can identify as our guy that we can bring in and, and sort of do and go out and execute a lot of the things that we want to do. And so far, I think overall, I think Rocco has, has done that. I mean, I think there's, you know, I think you can nitpick and question a few this in-game decisions and and things like that over the course of the season, but you could, I mean, you could question what Terry Francona might do in the seventh yeah. inning of a game. Oh, no, you, you can could, always do that. You right? could question what Joe Torre might have done, you know, when he was managing the Yankees and all those things. So, and I'm not saying that Rocco is going to be those guys, but I'm just saying there's you can question any any decision that a manager makes over the course of a 162 game yeah, season. That's right. But I think overall I think Rocco's done a really really good job. This is a team that won 78 games last year. Now there's some new faces obviously that have made this team better, Nelson Cruz and Marwin Gonzalez and guys like that. 
Um, and the emergence of, of a Mitch Garver has certainly contributed. But I, I just think, I think Rocco's done a really nice job. Yeah, thanks I, for throwing I, in Mitch Garver there. I appreciate that. <laughs> I did that for you, Derek. <laughs> appreciate that. But, but yeah, I, I think I, it's it's hard to... I know there was, you know, the decision to let Molitor go was met with some pushback in town, you know, whether it's members of the media or just fans in general. I, I, I totally understand that. But you can't argue with the results so far. Yeah. I'm they, cu- they, they might win 100 games this year. They're going to go to the playoffs. They're going to win the division. It's hard to argue with the results. Yeah, I'm it curious really to know because you had you knew Paul Molitor. Yeah, and I don't know if it's like not St. Paul connection or from covering him. Just covering him. I yeah. mean, I I spent some time with him away from the field a bit. Yeah. Um. You know, I don't think I think everybody in the media enjoyed Paul because he was uh, respectful. He was cerebral. He gave you uh, yeah. he gave you good information. Straight shooter. Very straight shooter. Look, he was a Hall of Fame player. Uh, he's local. Uh, he came in and took over sort of a dumpster fire for a while, you know, after, you know, Gardy had, had just had things fall apart on him, a lot of injuries and all that as well. But I didn't have a problem with the move when it was made. Yeah. He only won 78 games. He was, in a way, auditioning for a new front office still. He yeah. still had been. And yeah. you just, you kind of knew he was going to be on borrowed time because of that. You look at bringing in an unproven guy like Rocco Baldelli, obviously yeah. a data-driven futurist. Sure, uh, and you're wondering, <laughs> you, you know, appreciate is this, the compliment. It's it's the classic. Uh, you know, here's an uh, you know, Molitor leaned into uh, the analytics as much as he could. He wasn't uh, he wasn't a dinosaur. He wasn't garden hire. I mean, he did embrace it to a degree. Yeah, I agree with but that. But he still managed from his gut because he's a former player and he's a Hall of Fame player and he's been in the game. He'd been in the game for forty years. Uh, Baldelli came from the new school. I mean, yeah. this was a classic case of, uh, you know, old school grizzled guy that's been in a dugout for 45 years and a 37-year-old guy who's unproven. But like Manny said, he's going to win 100 games. And what should also be noted, too, is the Twins have been banged up seriously this year. He's had to do a ton of mixing and matching. The yeah. bullpen was on fire in the middle of the season. Uh, essentially, then the front office didn't do much for him. Yeah, you know, they brought Sam Dyson in. Sam and, Dyson, uh, Sergio Romo. Romo's done fine, but yeah. Dyson was you know damaged goods. Obviously, uh, they've managed to fix themselves internally because of that. But he's also you know with regulars being out for lengthy periods of time, he loses Buxton. Yep, he's been able to keep that lineup churning. Uh, I, you know, defensively, there's some lapses you can argue that could be problematic in the playoffs. Yeah. But I, I, I can't. For as resilient as this club has been, and for as diverse as he's had to keep that lineup churning, I you can't you can't say that this is a bad move. I don't yeah. know anybody's out there saying it's a bad move. No, but I think just, a lot of people would be thinking, did Molitor kind of get shoved out? Yeah, the door? I mean, I'm just painting the picture. We're trying to go as broad as we can here on the Score North First Place Twin Show, and I'm this is Devil's Advocate. I'm not putting my opinion into this question. Some critics would say that the Twins could win with this roster that they've put together and the emergence of some of these young players, that Judd's dog Stella could win 100 games with this team. Uh, yeah. What, I don't, do you uh, think I, there's anything to that? He look, stepped into a good situation. Course, okay, so that's and, and so what's he supposed to do? Uh, not, not take credit? <laughs> I mean, right. you also he's also a 37-year-old unproven manager who's managing a clubhouse full of uh, you know much more ego than they've ever had. I don't think it's a problematic clubhouse i mean again i haven't been in there i'm just going on the coverage that i've read and paid yeah. attention to but there's a lot more um 
No, that's a fair. Assert- I, I would guess a little bit more assertiveness in there. I think there's a little bit more of a swagger. Yeah, sports cockiness. Uh, yeah, and that's fine. I have that. Yep. Um, and I also just, again, every manager has to manage through injuries. Terry Francona's dealing with them, too. Um, but the Twins have found a way to, whenever it looks like something may be going off the rails, a 14-game lead gets whittled down to three and a half, they find a way to turn it around, and and w- with an aspect of their game that's either the the, the Bombas, the offense, mm-hmm. um, even as sketchy as their defense has been, they came up with some great plays in Cleveland and yeah. can when needed. Yeah. Uh, Polanco can make some plays, and there was always questions about whether he was going to you know be the the ideal shortstop. Sure, um, Garver's emerged yeah. as a second year guy is one of the best catchers in baseball. Thank who'd you. Who'd have wow. thought that? Wow, the new guy. He's he's in on the Mitch Garver fan club, Manny. Only because of what I've read. <laughs> <laughs> this is huge. What a development. Um, yeah, I mean, like Manny, is there anything to you to that good situation? Because my personal opinion is Rocco sort of helped foster that. But at the same time, I think there are probably people out there saying, like, well, you're telling me Molly couldn't have taken a team and won the division with um, Nelson Cruz being awesome and Mitch Garver coming into his own and Luis Arraiz doing his best Rodney Carew impression. Like, to an extent, he has gotten a pretty nice hand dealt his yeah, way. But you got to well, you got to play to those expectations too. Yeah. Well, and let's and and again, I'm not put I'm not going to put Rocco into the same sort of category as the this example I'm going to bring up or, or say that the Twins are going to go on a similar run, but, you know, Steve Kerr was handed a, a good cupboard of goods when Damn. he took over the Golden State Warriors, but he took them to another level that they had not reached yet. Sure. Could Mark Jackson have won that first title? I'm not sure he could have. Okay. That's I'm honestly not sure he could have. Yeah. And, and that's so, kind of what's happened here, right? Yeah. And, and again, I'm not saying that I mean, I'm not making an apples-to-apples comparison here. I'm not saying the Twins are suddenly going to win three NBA titles in five or three World Series titles in five years like the Warriors (laughs) did in the NBA. I'll say it, Manny. Just save it for write that down. (laughs) But but I think there is something to be said for a different voice coming in and adding to what is already in place and enhancing it and taking it to another level. That's what Steve Kerr did with the Golden State Warriors, and I think it's a similar thing to what Rocco Baldelli has done with the Twins. It's fascinating. It's fascinating because, I, I mean, I do think he's done a really good job, but yeah. I think there's always going to be critics. Well, yes, and again, when you you're, when you replace a legend uh, who was fired um, and you're unproven, and you're 37 years old, mm-hmm. um, you're going to be staring at a lot of, uh, okay, arms folded, what do you got for us? Sure. And that attitude comes down to, as you said, uh, oh, well, you know, anybody could have won with this roster. I, I, I've i never been a fan of that kind of assertion because good teams can implode. Mm-hmm. You know, good teams can find a way to to, uh, to snipe at each other. There's a lot of, ego, like, again, there's a lot of new ego in that, in that clubhouse. Yep. There's a lot of things that could have gone really badly with the injuries. The bullpen, again, was falling apart around the All-Star break. Um, front office, you know, did a little bit, but not a ton. There's a lot of questions about that. He's managed to, you know, fend off or, you know, have his club fend off Cleveland and walk into Cleveland and, you know, win a... I mean, people are going to remember that doubleheader win as the signature probably day of the season. I mean, yeah, yeah, definitely. Considering well, what had happened the night before. Even just the stamp on it is Miguel Sano's Grand yes. Slam is like, okay, here you go, Indians. Bam. It's like they're clinging on the edge of the cliff by their fingernails and trying to pull themselves up, and he stepped on their, their fingers. It was mean, but sports. <laughs> 
And you normally don't get that kind of meanness in baseball analogies. No, that's where. But the metaphor kind of falls apart because Cleveland's still like technically there. Yeah, but I, I guess we should be careful about like no, no, no. A fait accompli, I think, right? Yeah, I think I feel like only because of the schedule. The twins don't exactly feel that way. They'll I mean, never they're say not it. Talking about that, and that's smart. Of course, I do. In my chair, this thing's over. I think so. Yeah. I mean, cause, but yeah. but. Well, they're going to Detroit. They have to go to Detroit, and then they've got Kansas City, right? Is yeah. that where they fit? Yeah, seven I mean, with the Royals. I just, I, I yeah, you can't. Well, <laughs> there's anyway, some wood I'm right there if you want to say yeah, it. Yeah, there's some formica here. If, but, if uh, you want to, if you want to uh, say it, and then just knock on some of the wood. We talked about the fine. Vikings and some biblical losses. If the, <laughs> if the Twins manage to blow this by losing out to Detroit and Kansas yeah. City. Uh, uh, you know, let's revisit that Rocco Baldelli <laughs> resiliency uh, That's discussion. Right. That's the, right. The Twins could go four and seven in these last eleven games that they have. The Indians would have to go nine and two over the, the same next eleven games just to tie them. Yeah, just no. to force I mean, a one game playoff for the division. I mean, it's over. So yeah, it's this over. this thing's over. Hey, when we come back, Brian, I want to get your thoughts on uh, you know the this won't be a foreign concept to you. Rewrite, you know what I'm talking about with having to rewrite. No, I have no uh, deadline. Yeah, I've never done any of that. Sports writer. (laughs) So there's like last night was kind of a rewrite, but I mean not a huge pivotal game or whatever. I want to know like your craziest rewrite story. Oh boy, whether it's you personally or just one you've heard of, something like that where it's like, oh my gosh. Not necessarily from the, like, let's complain about it as sports media members, but more like last night's game to me, I, I stayed up for it. It was so fun that in that it was like... To, that would have been a mess to write. <laughs> completely. Like, they take a couple of leads late, and not only do the Twins win it, they win it by storming back, loading the bases, and then a guy who was completely an afterthought all season long comes up and gets plunked by a pitch for a walk-off hit by pitch. Yes. That's a fun rewrite, but I want to get I want to get into not some Not if more you got 2 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Or if deadline was yesterday. Yes. That's the tough part. Um so we'll be back on the Score North first place twin show coming up after the Score North twin show is Purple Daily with Matthew Collar and you can hear all of our Vikings coverage on this station by getting the Score North mobile app or listening to Vikings Ventline and Purple Daily, just type in live.scorenorth.com on your browser. That's uh, That and the mobile app, along with your AM radio, are the three best ways to listen to us. So we'll be back for one more segment of the Score North First Place Twin Show, live from Bombasota, the land of 10,000 rakes, where the magic number is 7 with Brian Murphy, Derek Wetmore, and Manny Hill next. Let's bat around some banter. Twins. Twins. The Score North Twin Show on Score North and scorenorth.com. All right, Score North Download is powered by Modest Brewing Company. And uh, we had Brian Kenny on the Score North Twin Show yesterday. Brian Kenny, of course, of MLB Network. And uh, we asked him about uh, his thoughts on the Minnesota Twins and where they fit in in the rest of the American League. I think um, with their you know incredible offensive performance, they've forced their way into the super team conversation. You know, through the season, uh, there's been a few different tiers that have developed, and at the very top, it's where it's the Yankees, Astros, and Dodgers. You know, the Braves have gotten you know quite good. But I think the Twins have kind of elevated themselves because any time you put up, and I did this yesterday on MLB Now, any time you do a comparison of the teams, uh, if you're doing it offensively at the very least, the Twins are in that conversation. They're- 
Yes, indeed. So high praise from Brian Kenny of MLB Network. You can find that entire show uh, on scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app uh, that aired yesterday here on these airwaves. If you're going to a Twins game, check out Modest Brewing, located only two blocks from the Target Field Station. Modest is known for serving a wide variety of one-of-a-kind, super drinkable craft beers. For their full menu of craft beers, go to modestbrewing.com. That's your Score North download. Now back for one seg- one more segment of the Score North First Place Twin Show. Thank you, Manny Hill. This is the Score North First Place Twin Show. Purple Daily and the Vikings coming up next. But if you want to help the Twin Show, the three best ways you can do that is by listening to us on our Score North mobile app, which is free, live.scorenorth.com on your browser, and or tell a buddy about it. You've got Twins fans, friends that you talk with. Um, the show has grown month over month here at Score North, and it's been super awesome to see that. So we thank you for listening along with us. But if you want to help us out, help spread the word to those few more Twins fans who maybe haven't heard about us, that would be much um, appreciated. Brian, I asked you before the break, Brian Murphy sitting in studio today on the Score North First Place Twin Show. I'm Derek Wetmore and Manny Hill. Now with all the housekeeping out of the way, I asked you about rewrites mm. because last night I'm thinking I'm watching a game like that and I was watching with my brother and I think then the Yankees or the uh, White Sox, they only felt like the Yankees, the White Sox then retook a lead and it, it was enough for him. It was late. It was bedtime. And so I, I finished out watching that game and I, every pitch I was thinking about my friends in the press box <laughs> who are going to have to come up with something for mm-hmm. this game and I, man, there are probably countless examples from your career covering sports. I'll give you mine quickly and we can move off of it. Yeah. It was Blair Walsh, 2015, oh. wide left at TCF. Yes. I, I remember exactly where I was sitting sure. in the TCF press box. Totally remember. It. I remember the ice crawling up the windows. I remember being scared for the people who were out there watching the game in those frigid temps. Um, crazy, crazy day, crazy game, sort of a surreal memory. What's What jumps to the top of the list for you when I say rewrite in sports journalism? You know, there's been so many of them. They kind of, I kind of put them out of my head because you're just it's <laughs> such a blur. They're a miserable experience to go through, but you do it anyway. Uh, the one that comes to mind craziest was I mentioned I had covered the 2003 Wild. That second series against uh, Vancouver, it was Game 7. Out in Vancouver. West so Coast time. Nine o'clock start. Yeah. Again, this is with print deadlines at 11 30, 12 o'clock or whatever. They were down late. They were down at least a goal from what I remember with about five minutes left, tied the game, and then took the lead, I believe, on a Darby Hendrickson dagger with like about four minutes left. Wow. And Darby Hendrickson. So, m- mind you, this is the second series in a row they've come back from three games to one deficits. Nobody in the history of the NHL before or since has done that. Yeah. So, you have to bring that to the table. Now they're going to the Western Conference Finals. Oh, gosh. Um, they also did it. Uh, their game winning goal, Darby Hendrickson, local kid, yep. who also scored the very first goal ever at XL Energy. Center. Wow. So you have to bring all of that sort of to the table. Try to weave about, that before the jump. Before, but Just weave it in before you can get on the elevator, go down and talk to these guys. <laughs> yeah. uh, because Jeez. the game ended very quickly and yeah. uh, the people were bailing. I'll, I'll never forget just how fast that Vancouver, I think it was GM Place is the name of it, emptied Okay, as soon as Hendrickson scored that goal. Because that was Somebody, a power team. Yes, they were expected to go far. That yeah. was supposed to be their year. That was supposed to be their year. Yeah. And I just I, I, I just have this image of somebody hurling nachos, 
beer, whatever, like from the seats onto the ice. It wasn't frustration. Jack Romero, was it? No, 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 it was a disgusted oh, Canucks quite fan. The opposite. But I have this vision in my head of going, "Oh my God, the local kid's the hero. They've just made NHL history. Uh, uh, we're going to Anaheim. What are we going to do? How do I bring this? Up? I got ten minutes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so and I'm, do it in." Eloquent prose. Yeah, I did for it. The front okay, page. I hacked it away. Because that's, that's probably going A one. Then at that point, it might have gone A one at that time, which probably not, meant it was an even earlier deadline. That's not just sports cover material. That that kind of a victory. But I, that's I mean, what's great about sports, man. Yeah. I mean, when stuff like that happens, I mean, you you feel fortunate to be there. I, I mentioned too. Uh, the it, I wasn't as much on deadline because it was a day game, but the the Minneapolis miracle. Yeah, uh, I've never stood up in a press box and literally. I think I yelled, "Holy!" As you think, <laughs> "Holy!" Something we yes, can't say on the radio. Exactly, holy expletive. Because <laughs> I and I looked around at people around me like I can't believe that just happened. As cynical and 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 crusty as I am, sure, I will never see anything like that again. I am convinced I will never see anything like that again. And I was just thrilled to see it <laughs> oh amazing and and then to have to try to do it yeah but that stuff writes itself sure, i mean yeah. you know that kind of stuff i remember reading your story yeah it's like because you weren't on gamer that day no right? i think i was i was writing a column okay um yeah that's kind of inside baseball whatever yeah. but like i i love hearing stories like that i think about the 2003 uh wild run and you've heard the patrick Royce, the famous story the nevertheless is no, that from think... that series? So, so Pat's getting ahead. He's got it right. He's on a column for that day. And yeah, of he course, would have been covering it. You mentioned West Coast time, so deadline feels a lot earlier, sure. two hours earlier. And uh, he was getting a sense for the game. He's the hockey whisperer. He knows everything that's going to happen, and it's game seven, and, well, of course, they're going to lay down. And so he's writing about like all the examples, I think, and I'm paraphrasing the story, and it's off the top of my head. I don't know if I'm getting these details right, so Pat and Golden Valley – if you have to set the record straight, please do it today on Mackie and Judd with Ricey, uh, with Rami. Um, he writes the whole story as if the Wild lose. And fun run, got him to Game 7 against the guys who could win it all, but ultimately this team just didn't have the firepower. So he's got a long story written like that. However... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Instead of deleting it and starting over, he goes back to the top and writes like, yeah, the Wild played uh, lackluster hockey all day. It looked like they were certain for failure and the end of their season as we know it. Nevertheless, <laughs> yes. they stormed back and Darby Hendrickson, NHL history, blah, 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 that other, kind of thing. The other great recovery for those kinds of things, even in game stores, you could do blah, 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 blah. Or so it seemed. Or so it seemed. The the nevertheless, the or so it seemed. Last night, the White Sox were marching back to a comeback victory, down five nothing, took a lead, went extras, battled it out with a, a an awesome twins team, and looked like they were gonna take one at their place. Or so it seemed. <laughs> Until they Until didn't. the bottom of the 12. That's right. And Ronnie Torres comes up and heroically gets hit by a pitch with the bases loaded for the Twins to win it. I love games like that, especially when I'm not writing a game story. Yeah, well, at least it's eventful, too. I mean, the thing about it is it was long, but it was eventful. The worst thing is a four-hour, two-nothing, rain-delayed game that you have nothing to write about. I've noticed, too, I feel games differently. I experience them differently when I'm watching now at home or on column duty versus... Four hours and fifty-one minutes with rain and extra innings is like is just brutal. If you've got to, you know, write the story of it, but it's fun when I'm not doing that. Of so course not. I root for stories like that. Then you can go to your own bar too and fill up. <laughs> 
How do you know? <laughs> no. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks for having me. This I'll see you, a lot of fun. see you Friday. You'll be back on Friday on the Score North First Place Twin Show. Manny will be here Friday. I'll be here Friday. Derek Wetmore saying for this whole crew, for Judd Zolgad and Danny Cunningham and Rami who's out today, see you later. And we'll talk to you tomorrow with Glenn Perkins on baseball. This is the Score North First Place Twin Show. Live from Bombasota, the land of 10,000 rakes. Thank you.